0: It is really exciting for me to be here, because I see lots of familiar faces, but then I see so many who I have not yet met before. I love to see how Restoration Anglican is growing and including more people. It's really a blessing to me. Uh, Let's pray before I get started. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that um, you are present in this space and among us in so many ways. We've already experienced uh, this morning through your word, Uh, through the fellowship we have with each other, um, we do just pray you continue to give us a knowledge and understanding of yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to be talking today about my favorite subject, which is the church. And uh, so I'm actually going to just move my phone over to keep track of time because I will, I will talk too long. Um, I'm married to a pastor, and I sit in the front row, and sometimes I just do this. Uh, and so feel free to do that. I'll, to, I'll get that. Um, we're talking about the church this morning and uh, the beautiful image of the church as the bride. And I... I feel like I'm still learning so much about uh, this title that we have as the church. Um, even like a year ago, I said, well, this is a metaphor of who we are as the church. like Just like um, the metaphor of being built up as living stones or the metaphor of um, being a family of God. But. Uh, the realization hit, like, actually this isn't a metaphor, this is an identity. It's it's who we are, and our need to understand our identity as the bride of Christ, all of us together. And this imagery is used throughout the Old and the New Testaments. Um, Oftentimes the bride is even given the name uh, New Jerusalem. Uh, Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church, said, For I have a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. In another passage in Revelation, it says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And in both of these uh, reflections in the scripture, it captures the already-not-yet aspect of Advent, does it not? We already are the bride. We have been betrothed to Christ, and we will see him uh, one day face-to-face. And so Advent season is that um, connection of the two, the already and the yet-to-come. So this image of the bride is who we are, and I think that we need to understand a couple of its aspects to really uh, uh, have not only an understanding but an embrace of this position. And so this is a must for all of us. So men who are here, this is also the image that you need to embrace, that you are the bride of Christ. Whether you're single or you're married, with children or without children, this is the imagery uh, and identity of all of us. And as Paul says, um, the context of being a bride and a mother, uh, these are spiritual realities that we can see evidenced in our physical life together, but it's a picture of something even greater. In the book of Romans, it says that the bride, the new Eve, will crush the head of Satan. So lest you think the image of the bride is kind of a just a sissy image, uh, dressed up in white, I don't know, it's really a powerful one, that uh, we are the one who will, with Christ, destroy uh, the works of the enemy. But our first place that we need to understand ourselves as a bride is in our belovedness, that the groom just loves us to pieces. Um, St. Augustine said, God loves each of us as if there was only one of us. And I think that this uh, place of us as the bride really captures that. Because if you've ever witnessed a groom seeing his bride walking down the aisle towards him, it's like, wow, he only has eyes for her. And that is how Christ views each of you. There is such a great love. The Lord your Maker is your husband. Do you know yourself fully to be loved by God? He says that he will nourish and cherish you. He has a marriage covenant that is everlasting. He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. I just think of how many lies we end up believing that could just be reversed with that understanding of, I'm the beloved of Christ. I am his forever and for restoration as a church to really embrace that identity, that you are nourished and cared for by Christ, your bridegroom, that you are dressed in radiant white. He's washed you whiter than snow, and that you have an identity as his beloved. This title of bride also puts you in a position of authority. Uh, Again, from the book of Revelation, it has a wonderful verse, The Spirit and the Bride. Say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take from the water of life without price. Uh, Again, thinking about being in weddings, married to a pastor, I've been at a lot of weddings uh, and receptions, and there are certain receptions where it is like the bride and groom are so joyful that their joy just permeates. It's like they will everyone in the room to be as happy as they are and it's it's just a wonderful experience they just have a command of the space and i really see that this is what we get to do what who we get to be as the bride of christ we're in a position of authority of invitation we get to invite people to this wedding feast of the lamb that we experience together uh When I was married, we had a limited reception space. And so with every uh, card we got back that said, no, someone couldn't come, we stuck another invitation in the mail, seeing if somebody else could fill that space. Um, uh, That's not what you need to do here at Restoration. So you can pull out the bleachers. You can make space. The invitation is for everyone. Uh, In the early days of Church of the Cross, We, I just let everyone know that they were invited to Church of the Cross. Uh, you know, so playground monitors and grocery store clerks and, uh, my hairdresser and, uh, I'm actually still letting her know she's invited to Church of the Cross. But, um, that's the, that's the beauty of being a church plant and why I love working with church plants so much is because of that reminder that I get to give the invitation. The bride gets to give the invitation along with the spirit. This is a place where we're together with the Godhead doing this work. And it's such a wonderful position not to lose sight of. It's a privilege. And let there be no doubt that sooner or later, with enough invitations given, um, there will be people who respond, uh, who desire the life-giving water that's present here. And so then... Uh, what's very exciting is that we uh, one of the aspects of being the bride of Christ is that we also all become mothers. So all of you, as well as being a bride, are mother. And this church is the mother to multitudes. Eve was called the mother of all the living, and so are we, the church, the mother of all those living a new life in Christ. We've become mothers The early church fathers refer frequently to Mary, the mother of Jesus, as um, a picture for us of the church, especially in the line of when the angel greeted her and she said, be it unto me as you have said. This is the posture that we are in as mothers with Christ, our bridegroom. We're the new Eve and uh, we will see a fruitfulness come. Go and make disciples is done in conjunction with our bridegroom. He is helping us become mothers. Paul, in writing to the Galatians, um, uses a passage from Isaiah where he says, uh, he reminds them that no longer are they a desolate or barren woman, but one with multitudes of children. So enlarge your tents and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out because you will become the mother to multitudes as the church. In the 12th century, uh, writer Hildegard of Bingen bemoaned those outside the church as abandoning the maternal womb and the sweet nourishment of the church. So we need to know, as a church, as a mother, what we offer the world. That in no other place can they be fed with what would truly sustain them, And the church is also a place to receive. Just as a womb is a place to receive a child, the church receives others. I see this in the heart of the gospel story um, that we read today from Mark. Uh, Just think with me about how this is a picture for us of the womb, the, the maternal womb of the church. In this passage, Jesus is chiding his disciples who want to know who is going to be the greatest. And he uses a picture for them of bringing a child into their midst uh, as the the way to show them uh, how to be the greatest. So this is the role of the womb, is to receive a child. And this is also the role of the church, to receive the child that we've been given. I think, actually, this is a challenging experience, both maternally and for the church. We don't have control over this. Even with all of our modern technology in birth, uh, ultimately it's God who gives a child. We cannot make it happen. And same with the church. We receive what God gives to us. We can't make it happen. This is a work of the Lord, but as mothers, we get to be in that place of reception. Be it unto me, as you have said. This is also the path, then, for greatness, to be in this place of reception. Ultimately, we're putting ourselves in the place of a servant in doing this. We can only receive what is given. And the one who becomes a servant is the one able to receive the child and is said to be the greatest. It's really an amazing picture, then, of our union with God, that we're joining together with him to receive life. And our opening up to receive others is a continual process in the church. Restoration is growing. I've seen the difference from when it was just Rick and Molly with that picture in their heads to what it is now. Um, But you're in a place of receiving, and you need to be open and receptive to what God is doing in that, and understand that it will connect you with Christ in this work. So it requires our submission to receive, but I love in this passage from Mark, it also requires our embrace. You see that not only did he place the child in the midst of them, but then he took that child into his arms. That's also the work we do as a church that we receive this child and we embrace the child. And I feel that that embracing is really bringing someone in um, as they are. Allowing them to be themselves. Understanding the uniqueness of this person. This womb, as a metaphor, um, also reminds us to trust in God. In that there are things being done in hidden places that we cannot see. Uh, we can testify that to that as a church. Much is being done in the hidden places of this beautiful, nurturing womb that God is at work, and we're able to receive that. Um, as a mother uh, church, uh, you not only have the work of uh, receiving and embracing, but you also have the work of nourishing. I absolutely love that the scripture does not shy away from our what our modern society does shy away from, of this picture of nursing and the nourishment we get through the word of God and through his church. Uh, It's such a beautiful picture in 1 Peter of um, becoming like little infants, that we've been born again of imperishable seed. And I think this reminds us that we not only are the church, we're a mother, but we also are being mothered within the church. And so we receive pure spiritual milk. Um, there's commentators who say that they feel that the entire letter of uh, Peter, this first Peter, can be summed up in crave spiritual milk. Um, there was a tradition in the early church where with someone newly baptized, they would not only um, receive the Eucharist for the first time uh, on that, uh, be after being baptized, but they would also be given a glass of milk mixed with honey to remind them to drink and crave the pure spiritual milk. And I I think that uh, as Peter lays out some vices in this passage, things that he wants the church to stay away from, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, slander, that he doesn't then give a list of virtues to counteract them. You shouldn't be uh, slanderous, you should be this. Instead, his antidote is for us to become like little infants and crave pure spiritual milk. That is what is going to um, make us grow up into salvation. And so here in the church, you have that opportunity to grow into salvation. Um, But the work of the church is not just on Sunday mornings. You're getting a lot of milk here on a Sunday morning, but uh, anyone who's seen a little baby uh, knows that um, they need to be fed all the time. And uh, you will see signs that they need to be fed, like they'll just start sniffing and things. But if you don't do anything right away, they will start screaming. And I think that these vices here actually are like the scream that uh, we have without that milk. That our wailing to be fed uh, takes on the form of our worst selves taking over. When we become judgmental, or picky, or angry, or we pretend, or we do things to distract us from being hungry. When instead we should be turning to the source of our nourishment, to the Lord who sustains us by his word. For us to grow up into salvation. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what we've been offered, that we're all doing this together? We are growing up together in the Mother Church, and that we will taste and see that the Lord is good. So our nourishment comes from our participation in the church, but uh, it's not nourishment only. It's nourishment connected to nurture. And so our Isaiah passage, uh, if you notice that, how, how that is I just think, oh, that's such a, it's so, uh, I don't want to say clever, but it's just such a neat picture that uh, in the church, the new Jerusalem, that we will be bounced upon her knees and carried on her hip. Um, And we will find nurture as well as nourishment in the church. And this is what restoration is offering to the world. Again, it can't be found anywhere else but here. Define this nurture that we all need, and desire. Uh, I read um, a couple books on mothering. One was called Mean Mothers. I saw it on a Facebook post. A psychologist wrote it. I thought, wow, the description of that book actually reminds me of a number of churches I've been in. Um, So I want to read that book and hear what it has to say. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, there are churches with the reputation of being extremely hypercritical and very demanding, and um, I don't see restoration as that. But then I read another book uh, talking about mothers and saying that the psychologist was saying that in her practice, um, she will have women come in who have just seem a seeming block or inability to nurture. And uh, she relates it to a study uh, done on lab animals that... Um, in those animals, they they somehow blocked like what would normally be a hereditary response of nurture to so their young. They blocked it, and then we're able to see that in subsequent generations, uh, that was missing. It was not present, um, and that actually um, is something for us to be aware of as a church, as a mother who nurtures, that we may feel inadequate in uh, our nurturing because of something that we haven't received. Um, But there's, thankfully, a complete cure for that. Uh, We have been born again. And the Lord says that even if your own mother forgot you, that he will never forget you. Behold, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. So we can be a mother, a bride who's a mother that not only uh, gives nourishment, but also gives nurture as a place for people to really come into an understanding of who they are as persons, as the work of nurturing does. So already we're the bride, and not yet have we seen the face of our bridegroom. Already we are mothers, but Not yet have we seen all of the children yet to be born to us. It's uh, a place and a time of Advent that I want to pray will give you great hope as a church to continue this work of being a place to receive, embrace, nourish, and nurture. So let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you... um, have a great love for us, where you, have, uh, you can't even consider leaving us or forsaking us, that you are always present with us. And may we have an understanding of your presence to each of us individually, but may Restoration Anglican have an understanding of your continual presence with her as a church. Lord, we do just thank you that you will give us children. And so we do pray for the many who don't yet know your nourishment, they haven't experienced your love or your nurture, that they may find themselves here in a place that they can call home. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.